How amazing was Amber's word last night? Uh, it's been a good weekend, amen? Yeah. Uh, let me pray for us because we're not done yet. So let's pray. Father, you're not done teaching us. You're not done empowering us. You're not done leading us. And so this morning, make us ready. Make us ready for what you have ahead of us. Make us ready for what we are returning to. Make us ready to reign in each of these things. It's your work. So we ask you to do it, please, in Christ's name. Amen. You know, the original title of my sermon today was, As You Go, Rain. And it was uh, really from this language that Jesus used in the Great Commission of, Go, therefore, make disciples. Because go is more of an as you are going or wherever you're going, do all of these things. And it's kind of not enough for me just to kind of go, as you go, go do this. <laughs> uh, we've said that our goal here has been to empower you. It has been for you to embrace your anointing. It has been for you to see the power you've been given to reign in every area of your life. But now, God, this morning, wants to prepare you for what it looks like for you to grow into that anointing, to grow into that power that you have received. That it really is about now living into everything that you have heard about. It is about becoming everything that you see and hear about in Jesus. It's doing that in the midst of your everyday life. Because you'll go back to the same struggles, to the same challenges, to the same triggers, to the same difficulties that you left behind on Friday. In fact, I'm sure some of them have multiplied over the weekend. And you can't wait to find out what's actually in store for you. Um, it doesn't change the fact that you reign. It doesn't change the fact that you're anointed or that you have the power to do it. But it will confront whether you actually believe it. And it will confront where you're at in the process of growing into that. And so last year, um, I gave this message, and the phrase that God gave me was, trust the process. And God made me talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, and it was a crucifixion up on stage, because I hate the Philadelphia 76ers. I just hate Philly. It's like, it's like, it's like the fifth worst city in Pennsylvania. Um, man, you know what I love most? I love Philly people. You are so easy to trigger and make mad. One slight comment. It wasn't the point of the message, but you remember it. The point was that God works you through this process of healing, of growing in the fruits of the Spirit, and walking in the gifts of the Spirit. And everyone that embraced that was rewarded. Everyone that chose to walk in that over this last year actually saw it come about. And so what I want to say today is what I'm telling you now are actions that you are going to have to walk in for the next year. That God is giving you a word today that's going to prepare you for what you do next and how you continue in that so that it becomes your reality, that reigning becomes your reality. And the word that God has given to me for you guys, this phrase, is to follow the pattern. 
It's to follow the pattern. And I mean specifically to follow the pattern that Jesus modeled. That Jesus showed you everything you need to know for what it looks like to reign in life, and he simply says, follow me. Follow me. And I want to highlight what he's done because you need to see the goodness of your Savior. Because you will never tread anywhere in this life where your Savior does not reign. You will not face what your Savior has not conquered. You will not encounter anything that the kingdom cannot engage. That is the goodness of your Savior. That Jesus has gone ahead of you. He did it for you then, and He is everywhere you're going now. That God is already active. He's already working. He's already there. There's no ounce of our entire city that He has not staked His claim on because He has redeemed all of creation and saying, I'm making it all new. And so there's no room you'll go in, no relationship that you will touch where God is not already at work. And so it's time for us to change our mentality and look at what it is like for us to grow into that. And I want you to see there's this regular statement about Jesus and what he did. And then I want to talk about how he grew into it. So let's look first at Matthew chapter 4, verse 23 very beginning of his ministry, after he announces the Spirit of the Lord is upon him and anointed him, it says he went through all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. And he called his disciples to just watch. And they watched him teach with the Sermon on the Mount. They watched him step off and people gather and heal everyone who came. They watched him stand in the face of people that disagreed him and said, the kingdom is actually here at hand, if you can see it. And then, this happens in Matthew chapter 9. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because he saw them as they were, harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And he called to him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal every disease and affliction. These twelve Jesus sent out, instructing them, Go nowhere among the Gentiles, enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. What they watched, he said, Now go do. And he gave them the power to go and do it. And then as he's ascending into heaven, he says one more time in Matthew chapter 28, this great commission, he came to them and said, all authority on heaven and the spiritual realm, on earth and the practical realm has been given to me. So go, and as you're going, 
Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And then the Spirit falls. And they no longer need Jesus' instructions to be spoken to them because the Spirit is inside them. And the Spirit causes them to be so bold that they go out in the middle of streets that are chaotic and crazy and they proclaim the kingdom is at hand, and they heal every affliction and disease, and they cast out demons, and that is the rest of their early church history. That's their life. What I want to encourage you with is that if that's not part of your life now, it doesn't mean it never will be. Because Jesus and the disciples had to grow into it. Jesus himself had to grow into it. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. It says, And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He increased in these things. That was after he was 12 years old, schooling the Pharisees about what they didn't know about the truth of God. But then he would spend the rest of time growing into it. And when he called his disciples, he called them to say, this is what we're going to do. Now I'm going to teach you how to grow into it. And what has kind of captured my imagination is how did Jesus grow into it? What is the path that he walked? What is the pattern that he walked so that we can follow it? And I use the language of pattern instead of path because it's not a very clear step-by-step. The pattern has these four different elements that I can see. Four or just four? Four, yeah. <laughs> this all came to me this morning. I'm still being organized as I speak. It's great. Um, four pieces to this pattern that are going to help you as you go back grow into the power that you received last night to go into the anointing that you've embraced with the Holy Spirit. First, temptations. Temptations. And I say it as temptations and not sin because in Jesus we see you can be tempted and not sin. And you need to hear by the power of the Holy Spirit, you can be tempted and not sin. And so we have to embrace that power and the way that we grow into it is that when we are tempted, we walk in the power, we confront the temptation and we don't fall into the sin. And here's what's going to help you do that. Identify your triggers. Identify the things that are going to trigger your temptations and your desires to the point that you're going to want to sin. It says that's what sin does. It entices you, it draws you away, and then it kills you. How do you cut it off before it wins? To grow into the power is to become dominant over your temptations and dominant over your triggers, not just reactive to your sins. See, the idea of triggers uh, is something for me that I've felt most with the idea of fear and grief. You know, as, as Ricky was preparing his grief workshop, which I heard was amazing, we were talking about how there's some triggers that surprise you that you're just not prepared for, and they come into your life, and they just start, they hit you, and you're confronted with emotion that you're just, you, don't, you didn't want to deal with. 
That wasn't what you had on the agenda for the day, and life just kind of came in. You know, we like to watch the show Modern Family to turn our brains off after a very long day of parenting and pastoring. And, yeah, that's the show I choose. I'm, don't, no judgment, please. So we're watching it one night, and it's this really, like, sweet show about the relationship with a father and a son. It's really encouraging. And then at the very end, it's like this hard turn, and the dad has passed away. And I'm like, that's not cool, modern family. Like, I don't need that right now. I, don't, I, wasn't, I was going to bed. I didn't need to remember what I've lost. And there are these unanticipated triggers that will come in and strike you, and they will feel so strong that they make, it will cause you to believe the only way you can respond is down a path away from God. And so there's times when you can't choose the triggers. They just come at you. And we live in a society that would love to remove everything that could trigger you. I want to cancel certain people and I cancel certain ideas because they make me feel in a certain way. Unfortunately, you can't avoid these triggers, but you can prepare for them. You can begin to do the work that's going to prepare you for the time when the enemy and your flesh get hit and you have to respond. That's why Jesus, in the midst of the wilderness, in the midst of his most vulnerable state, without food, fasting, away and isolated from anybody else, the devil comes in and he can immediately say to the devil, you're lying even though it sounds a little bit good because here's the truth of what God actually says for me right now. Because he has filled his mind with the word that can win instead of allowing his own brain to be responsive to half-truths. You can prepare that. But the other thing I, you need to face is that there are some triggers that you're choosing that you're ti- it's time to turn them off. That there are apps that you turn to, that there are people that you are around, there are choices that you make, there are things that you need to run from. There are places that you go And no matter how many times it leads you down that same cycle, you haven't just said, I'm going to stop, right? And so there are triggers that you choose, which is why I brought up weed the other night. And you were like, man, I was hoping he's going to forget that. Well, God doesn't. And so he keeps bringing it to mind and people keep saying stuff. And I'm like, gosh, I don't want to talk about this. Those are your triggers. And those are the things that it's time to cut off. And I mean it. Right now, you may even feel like, oh, I can do it. But unless you actually take some actions to actually cut it off, you're walking right back into it. And so Jesus is just saying, don't be foolish. You are self-aware enough to know what is going to guide you down that path of sin. Now turn. Follow me. Grow into your strength by temptation. And here's what I want to say. You will not win every time, but you do not have to have a losing streak. See, Michael Jordan, greatest basketball player ever, full stop. In the beginning of the 1990-91 season, the Chicago Bulls lost three games in a row. The rest of his time with the Chicago Bulls, he never lost more than two games in a row. 
So if you've been on a losing streak, you can decide that the greatest God of all time and the powerful name of Jesus Christ can set you onto a winning streak, and even when you lose, it cannot overcome you and drive you into a losing streak, right? That you have the ability regularly to, even in the moment of loss, to turn back to victory, even in the moment where you fall into sin, to turn back to the love of God, and that His grace can grow in you in that. And so the, the first piece of the pattern is Fight your temptations. You know, Amber put it so well last night that the same power to heal is the same power you're dealing with in the morning, right? And if you can win in the morning, it becomes stronger for you over the day. But if you don't win in the morning, you can still turn to it. The power is still there. The question is, are you choosing to access it? And temptations become easier to face as you grow. The second piece, which is what Amber ended on last night, is Humility. Humility. This is what Jesus models for us so much. When he actually uses the phrase, follow the pattern I've shown you, but he does it after he has washed the disciples' feet. But that's when he says it. He says, just as I have done for you, you do for one another. That the God of the universe, in his divinity, who took on, clothed himself with humanity, exposed himself and made him vulnerable to the point of washing people's feet. That he regularly had this pattern of humbling himself. And it is a pattern of humbling yourself. So in James chapter 4, I think it should be on, this, on the screen. It says, do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says, he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. But he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Twice it says he exalts the humble. And what humbling looks like is go be taught and go be transformed. Go before the Lord to be taught and go before the Lord to be transformed. See, Jesus teaches in the synagogues and he goes around to teach teach wisdom. He grew in wisdom to the point that he could tell other people how to live well, which is what every one of your friends and every one of your family members is trying to figure out. And Jesus has the answer. He has the wisdom. And if you grow in that wisdom, if you are taught by God, you then to go, and it's easy for you to teach in the synagogues, it's easy for you to teach in the office place, it's easy for you to teach around the dinner table, because God has taught you, and so then you teach what He's taught you. And so you go to God to be taught, but you also go to be transformed, which is what we got to taste last night was sitting before the presence of God, letting Him pour over us and letting Him change us. This is the entire importance for a community group is that you would humble yourself enough to be taught by every single person in the room, not just your community group leader. That you would go and humble yourselves to be even someone who could share the truth of God. And so it is important for us when we approach the community of God, at times, that's what I feel like God is saying, is just to shut up. 
Because sometimes you just need to hear God's word and you don't need to debate it. When my kids go into a classroom, I tell them the teacher's in charge. And so whether you like what they're teaching or not, the teacher is in charge. When we go to humble ourselves before God, we're saying, you're my teacher and you're in charge, and I'm just here to listen. And so the pattern of growth to, to follow is to fight the temptations, it's to walk in humility. The third pattern is to practice the power. Practice the power. Jesus looks at people and says, before I've ever healed anybody, I'm going to. I'm going to heal every affliction because the Spirit of God is upon me and the power of God flows through me. And then he goes and does it and he practices it. Sorry, the screen <laughs> threw me off. Um, he practices it and there are times when it doesn't always happen. When Jesus returns to Nazareth, his hometown, it says everyone was looking at him and going, we actually know you. Like, you grew up around the corner. Like, I know your dad. I know your mom. Like, who are you to tell me about God? Like, I, I'm older than you, dude. Like, and it says he couldn't perform many mighty works there because of the unbelief. One of the things that God confronted me on this is that part of the reason that I shied away, and I still at times shy away from practicing healing and stepping out, and when I see somebody with a cane or when I see somebody limping, is I'm afraid it's not going to work. I'm afraid I'm going to pray, and they're going to be like, yeah, nothing, man. Got something else for me? Like, and instead of walking in fear, God says, practice and learn from practice, and learn again and learn again. Someone who's been most helpful for me this, in this is a guy named John Wimber. He is the founder of the Vineyard Church movement. Uh, before he experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, he was walking in church growth strategy, and he was excellent at it. And then God confronted him and said, I've seen what you can do, and now let me show you what I can do. And he felt God tell him, the first thing I want you to do as a pastor is pray for people to be healed. And he said it took nine months of regularly praying for people to be healed before he saw one person healed. It got to the point where he was like, I'm done with this. You're not coming through. And then he got a call. said, hey, my, my wife is sick, and like, I have to go to work. If I don't, if I don't get to work, I'm going to lose my job. Can you come and pray for my wife? And he's driving over there, and he's like, okay, so when I pray and after I'm done, I have to, right, I have to remind them that God still loves them, even if he doesn't heal, you know, and... And so he says he walks into the room, and she's lying down with like a heavy fever and a cold, and he prays for her healing, and he said he immediately turns, and he goes, all right, so sometimes when you pray for healing, it doesn't happen immediately, and the guy looks behind him, and he's like, thanks, I got to go to work. And John's like, what? And she's like up and about, and she's like, all right, I'm great, let's go, let's start doing these things. And he's like, wait, it worked? Are you willing to practice something for nine months without any seeing, seeing any success? Are you willing to step out and be seen as a fool? Are you willing to risk it? Are you willing to step out and say, I will do it even if I don't see the results because I'm simply obeying what God has said that I am and that I can do and I will walk in? 
And if it doesn't happen, learn from it. Go wrestle with God. There's no point of wrestling for me more than when I pray for someone to be healed and I don't see it and I go, what happened? Grow me in this. Teach me in this. Show me what I need to do. I will learn from you. It's going back to the pattern of being taught again. If Jesus had to grow in this, if Jesus faced time where there was no stopping his power and there are other times where he didn't see it, you can too. And so fight your temptations. Walk in humility. Make it a rehearsal that you do often and practice it. And the last thing is proclaim it. The last pattern is proclaiming it. And the scriptures say this often, don't hide it. Don't hide it under a bushel. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. But again, you and I are shy. We're shy when it comes to the power of God. Jesus wasn't on the scene for a long time. Even when he was asked to do the miracle of water to wine, which some of you are like, I'd like to practice that one first. Um, He's like, no, 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 not, not yet. At other times, they're like, can we go and tell everybody? And he's like, no, 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 it's not time for people to reveal it. See, there's an increasing of your public nature of your faith. One of the patterns you see is he starts in a small area, and then he goes into all the cities. When he tells the disciples to go to all the nations, he says, start with what you're familiar with. Start here, and then go out to Samaria because it's a little bit more comfortable for you, so do it there. And then go to the ends of the earth where people have no idea who you are, but you're just going to have to stand on that because he knows they need to grow in strength. They need to grow in the confidence of if they do it in a familiar area and it's safe and it's okay, then they can be stronger and then they can go out further. Your life is organized like that, that there are friends and family and coworkers in your life that you actually feel safe enough to say, this is what I believe. But you haven't broken that barrier yet. And you need to hear there is no barrier There is no barrier. It's an invisible lie that you have built up as if I'm not allowed to say this. Why? Because of culture? Because of the association of evangelical Christianity? What is the wall you've built up? Because do you not believe Jesus walked around in the midst of walls of his culture? You're not a formal rabbi. You can't say these things. Who do you think you are saying that you can heal and forgive sins? Jesus says, I know who I am. I'm the Son of God. So he lived in his anointing. I've been confronted on this recently. Um, I've started to connect with uh, a number of friends who are Jewish. Some rabbis with the Jewish Committee Project because we share office space and we work. But even in my son's school, I'm on the executive board of the Parents Association, and it's like they're all Jewish. And I'm like the Lone Ranger in there, but it's super fun because I'm learning about my faith as they tell me about theirs. And it is so beautiful to hear them talk about their faith and then to, to ask them questions. You know, one of the, the women that's on the board, she's, 
she'll, she'll, I, I, we've talked about this enough, and where she'll uh, use the name of God in an email, but it's G-D, because she has been taught you're not allowed to say and use the name of God, which in rabbinical Judaism is a common experience, and it's meant to be an act of reverence, like who are we that we can call on the name? But last night as you were hearing it, doesn't that sound so sad that David who killed Goliath in the name of the Lord, they've been told don't use his name? And so then I can have a conversation about what I believe about the name of God. And recently, one of them said, oh, my kid has been sick perpetually, just constant nosebloods, nosebleeding. And I said, I told the dad, I said, hey, why don't I pray for her? I said, I believe that God can heal. Like, do you mind if I pray for her? And he was like, you believe God can what? I said, I believe God can heal. Um, And I've seen it, and I can tell you stories about it if you want, but let me just pray for her. And so uh, I I prayed with him for her, and then he was like, I want to hear these stories now. (laughs) And I started to tell the stories, and he was like, oh, like, like positive vibes, positive energy. I was like, I did not use the word positive vibes, energy. Like, I said, healing by the power of God. And over time, as I have done that in this circle of parents that I feel a little bit safer in, I'm overhearing their conversations. They them talking about their Jewish traditions and them saying, I'm actually praying now more than I have ever before. And they go, why? And they're like, Tuesdays with Logan, like, (laughs) and I share that to say this, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. God has established the relationships that you're in, and talking about God won't destroy the relationships that you're in. He has put you there for a purpose, he has put you there for a reason, and the more you talk about it, the more you grow into it. Are you ready to reign? You've been anointed with the Holy Spirit. It's yours. Are you ready to abide in it? You've been told about the power that has been downloaded into you, and now it's your turn to learn to use it, to grow into the full measure of power that God's given you to grow into seeing the Holy Spirit do all He can possibly do in and through you. That's what He's after. And I want to close by reminding you of the goodness of your Savior who simply says, follow me. You will not tread where your Savior does not reign. And in fact, the promise of the Scripture is everywhere your feet tread, you will reign. You will not face what your Savior has not conquered, and in fact, your Savior looks at you and says, you are more than a conqueror, and nothing can separate you from the love that is in the name of Jesus Christ, your Savior. You will not encounter a place where the kingdom cannot engage because He is making all things new in heaven and on earth, and it will one day be restored in full. The goodness of your Savior is He's gone ahead of you. He's gone ahead of you today to where you're going back into. And now he's letting you know that you're not going alone. He says, you will go to the ends of the earth, but do not fear, I will be with you always.
That's the beauty of the Spirit. A reminder that the God we worship here with abandon is the God that goes with you and will not abandon you. Let's pray. Jesus, we once again say thank you for being our king. Thank you for establishing your kingdom. God, we are a stubborn and feisty bunch. And so we, even this weekend, have warred against your desire to overcome us. And so, God, I pray right now that you accomplish the full overcoming so that we can become the overcomers for you. And so whatever resistance remains in this room, by the power of the Holy Spirit, break it. Whatever bonds still feel or are on, break them. Because Jesus, if you have set us free, we are free indeed. And we are free to follow you. And that's all we want. We want to follow your pattern. We want to follow your victory. And we want to follow your power. So lead us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.